And welcome to First Baptist Rock Hill Online. It's exciting to have you join us today as we continue our series uh, where we're talking about God's kingdom and our place in it. Uh, pastors uh, continue to preach from the book of Matthew, and today is going to be a real interesting message. As we've talked about what the kingdom of God is like and, and how we fit into that puzzle and what God has for us, today we're going to talk about preparation, what it is to get ready, and how to be ready as a believer for that day to come when we move into eternity, move into our eternal home with Jesus Christ. So I want you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word, a notepad and a pen, and get ready to take some notes, and really just listen in at what it is to be prepared as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, for what God's kingdom has in store for us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the kingdom ahead. We thank you for the life that we have today, but we look forward to eternity. We look forward to our eternal life uh, with you in heaven and what that's going to be. Uh, but we know there's things to do to get ready. So while we don't earn salvation, we know that we have a part to play in it. And as a believer, we want to be as prepared as we can be. So thank you for shedding light on that to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, when I was buying groceries and walking down the aisle where the toilet paper is located, I remember when the pandemic began, how there was this massive shortage of toilet paper. I know you remember that as well. And we all started worrying about running out of toilet paper and people were borrowing some from others and so on. And Monisa and I had plenty, so we weren't at risk of running out, but we didn't know how long that was going to last. And I sat down one day when all of that was happening and tried to order some on Amazon that you know, the brand that we like and we use. And, and to my dismay, I was not going to be able to get any for at least two months. Well, not knowing what the future would hold, I went ahead and placed the order. We never did run out of toilet paper, but about two months or a little later than that, uh, one day this big shipment of toilet paper showed up. I was making certain that Whatever happened down the road, we were going to be prepared. We were not going to run out of uh, toilet paper. One of the things that Jesus Christ made really clear is that there are many things about our life in the future, about tomorrow, that are determined today. Just like the day I placed that order for toilet paper on Amazon, well, down the road two months later, I got a big shipment of it. The truth is what you do today makes a difference tomorrow. That's just an important principle in life. It's also true in your spiritual life, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And in this sermon series, we've been looking for several weeks now at God's kingdom and our place in it. And in Matthew 24, Jesus, and, and go ahead and open your Bible there, please. Jesus is discussing when his kingdom comes, the end of the age and the second coming, so on. And uh, he, he tells everyone in chapter 24 to be ready, to be on the alert, because no one, only the Father in heaven knows when Jesus is coming back. In the meanwhile, you and I, who are citizens of his kingdom, who are disciples of Jesus Christ, are to be ready. We are to be faithful. We are to be dependable. And he says at the end of chapter 24, there is an attitude we are to avoid that we are not to allow be part of our lives. Look with me in Matthew chapter 4, 24, rather, at verse 48. Jesus says, but if that evil slave, this is the person who claims to be a disciple, claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but they're not doing 
what they're supposed to be doing in the here and now to get ready for the second coming, to get ready for the day they see Jesus. He says, but if that evil slave is interesting, that he calls a false disciple an evil slave, says in his heart, my master is not coming for a long time, and then he begins to do things that he shouldn't do. Jesus is saying, don't claim to be a Christian. Don't claim to be a disciple. Don't claim to be a follower of his. And in the here and now have the attitude that says, it's going to be a long time before I see Jesus, before I give a reckoning to Jesus for how I've lived. Don't have the attitude that says, because death is out there. In the meantime, I'm just going to be lackadaisical when it comes to my faith. I'm going to be kind of hit and miss in my commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to take it seriously. I have plenty of time. And so I, I'm going to put off really being spiritual. I'm going to put off to sometime in the future taking my commitment to Jesus seriously. And so in the meantime, I'm going to make excuses for living the way I want to. And I'm going to justify sinful decisions and doing those things that I'm not supposed to do as a follower of Jesus. Jesus says that is an evil servant. And he tells us very clearly that it comes at a cost. That attitude will not end well for you. In verse 51, he says that person is going to be cut into pieces and assigned a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus, listen, Jesus is saying there that the destiny of the people today who know they are lost and don't love Jesus is the same as those who are hypocrites. They claim to be disciples, but they say, I don't have to take my relationship with Jesus seriously. I don't have to take my commitment with Jesus seriously because I've got plenty of time. He said the outcome is the same for both because true disciples, true followers of Jesus don't think that way. They don't have that attitude. They live differently. And then in continuation of his teaching in chapter 25 of Matthew, Jesus tells three stories. We call them parables. And he says these parables illustrate the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and the attitude we are supposed to have as members, as citizens of his Kingdom That if we're going to be ready to see Jesus, if we're going to live with the right attitude and, and the right lifestyle and take seriously, take seriously our relationship with him, then he says these parables will help you know how to do that. And in these stories, he draws a contrast between those who are the real deal and take their life with Jesus seriously and those who claim it but don't take it seriously and therefore are not real disciples. So let's look at these three parables and allow God to speak to our hearts and speak to our lives. The beginning in chapter 25 of Matthew at verse one, let's read the first two verses together. He says, then the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus talking, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God will be comparable it's like this, he says, to 10 virgins. And think of it today as, as 10 bridesmaids, if you will who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. Now he goes on in this parable, in this story to say, here's this couple, they're engaged. And in their day, engagement was a legal uh, arrangement and it took a divorce to end an engagement. But when they got married is when they physically consummated the marriage. So the, this is a couple, they're engaged and they know on this date, 
the wedding's going to take place, if you will. And the way it would work is the groom, the bridegroom and his attendants would come from his family's house to the bride's house and take her back to his house where they were going to live. And the bridesmaids, these ten virgins, the bridesmaids knew the day was there and they were ready and they had their lamps so in case he came at night they, they would have some light. But for some reason the bridegroom delayed his coming. And by the time he showed up, Five of them, the lamps, listen, the lamps were starting to run out of oil and they weren't burning anymore. And, and, and he says the five prudent bridesmaids brought extra oil for their, for their lamp. And the, the foolish ones did not bring any extra oil. And because of the delay in the bridegroom coming, just like you and I don't know when Jesus is coming back. And if because he's delaying his coming back, it seems like it's a long time in the future. Death is a long way off. So we don't take it seriously and we're not prepared with extra oil, if you will. He said the, the, the sound was given that the bridegroom is coming and, and the bridesmaids all got excited and, 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 and they realized, man, they needed more oil and five of them had extra oil, but the other five did not. And, and the ones who had the extra oil would not share with the others because they might run out later in the night. They needed it to last for them. And so the five foolish ones had to go and find some extra somewhere. While they were looking for extra oil, the groom shows up, gets the bride. He and the five bridesmaids go back to his house, close the door, and the marriage feast is on. And the five foolish ones are left out. Jesus said, that story illustrates the attitude of people who say, yeah, I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. But they don't take seriously their preparation to be ready because they never know when the moment's going to come that they have to give an account to Jesus. They have to meet Jesus, whether it's through the second coming or through death. And they are left out. They lose out, if you will. And and, and to me, it's, it's a picture of the person who approaches their spiritual life who approaches their relationship with Christ in a very careless way, giving very little thought to their relationship with Christ. People who, if you talk to them, say, yeah, they want it to work out well. They want to be a good Christian. They want everything to be okay with them on the judgment day, but they don't put much planning into it. They don't put much effort into growing as a Christian. They just kind of slough through their Christian life. They tend to be inconsistent. They tend to be half-hearted. They take their relationship with Jesus, their commitment to Jesus. They take the church for granted. And down the road, someday in the future, they're going to realize that that it's too late. That they have wasted opportunities. They have lost opportunities to, to grow in Jesus, to grow as a disciple. And, and therefore, they're not ready. They're not ready for the judgment of God. They're not ready for the second coming of Jesus. They're not ready for death. And they're going to end up with serious regrets. And so the lesson from this parable for each of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, is this, that we need to be disciples. I need to be, you need to be a disciple who is vigilant, who is attentive, and who is Foresighted when it comes to your commitment to Christ, you need to have that attitude right now. Stop putting off till tomorrow getting ready. Stop putting off till tomorrow growing as a disciple. Stop putting off 
till tomorrow, overcoming the things you struggle with today. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing right now to grow as a disciple? What are you doing today to develop Christ-likeness in your life? I want to brag on my wife, Monisa, for a moment. One morning this week, after she left for work, I walked into the living room, and there on the couch was her Bible. It was open where she had been reading it. And uh, her D-group journal, where she was writing what God was saying to her as, as she read those chapters that we read every day and every week here at First Baptist. And also open on top of all that was her prayer journal. And I, I took a moment and glanced at it, and she'd written the prayer request that had been shared in her life group the previous Sunday. And that morning before going to work, she'd been praying for those prayer requests. I ask you again, what are you doing today? To take seriously your commitment to Jesus and grow as a disciple. To be prepared not only with the lamp, but with the extra oil so that you don't grow out. And if Jesus shows up today, you are ready. You have, if you have to give an account to Jesus today for the kind of life you've been living as a so-called follower of Christ, you're ready for that. What are you doing today to grow as a disciple. If you want to be a stronger disciple of Jesus tomorrow, take your commitment seriously today. Because the kind of Christian you will be tomorrow is determined by what you put into your walk with Jesus today. That is a lesson that each of us need to learn and take to heart. If you want to be ready to meet Jesus, take your commitment to him seriously right now. I lead a D group of young men on Thursday mornings. Well, there's me and one other guy who's closer to my age, but the rest of the guys are younger, 20s and 30s. And uh, and uh, that group started, we started meeting weekly in September. Well, in August this past year, uh, I had room for one more young man in my group. And, and uh, during one of the sermons on Sunday here at the church, I, I shared that. And I said, if there's a young man in his 20s or 30s who'd like to be, you know, be part of this D group, come up and talk to me after the worship service. And, and I still remember when Brother Chad McNeely walked down and he, and he said, I, I, I want that. That's what I need. And he's in our group doing well and he's growing. You know why? Because he took initiative. Because he, he said to himself and to me that he wanted to grow and, and he made a commitment and he's doing something. And, what he's, and that decision he made that Sunday morning in August is showing up in his life today in January. He's growing. He's growing. You're never going to grow. You're never going to, you're never going to change as a follower of Christ if you don't take seriously your commitment to Christ today. Today, and that leads to the next parable that Jesus told, the parable of the of the talents, or think of it today as a, a story about uh, a boss, a, a company owner, and and some trusted employees. So we find in chapter 25 of uh, Matthew, starting at verse 14, Jesus says, says, "For it is." Going back to verse one, the kingdom of heaven is like. For it is like. In other words, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. After he tells us about the, the five foolish and the five prudent bridesmaids, he said that the kingdom of heaven is not only like those five prudent bridesmaids, it's unlike those five foolish bridesmaids. He says in verse 14, the kingdom of heaven is like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves 
and entrusted his possessions to them. Jesus tells a story, and, 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 and he says it's like a, a, a wealthy businessman, a wealthy landowner, and, and he calls his most trusted slaves, his most trusted servants. He's going to be leaving for a long time. And, and this was not unusual in ancient times to have servants, to have slaves who manage household affairs for the master. And, and so to one of these, he, he, gives, he gives five uh, talents, it's a, a value of money, to, to take care of and to invest for him while he's gone. To another slave, he gives two talents. And then to a third, he gives one talent. And, and Jesus says he divided those talents among those three men based on their ability, based on their capacity for, for managing stuff. And then he leaves, and he's gone a long time. And, and the one with five invests the five, and the one with two invests the two, and, and the one with one, <laughs> he's afraid, and so he buries it in the ground so it won't be lost. And after a long time has passed, the master, the landowner, comes home. And he brings the servants, he brings the slaves to him, and he's asking for an accounting of what they did with his possessions while he was gone. And the one with five said, I, I invested it, and, and I made five more. Here, master, now you have ten talents. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to trust you with more things in the future. Come and be part of the joy that is in my presence. The one with two talents said to the master, I invested the two, and now you have four. And the master said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. I'm, I'm going to trust you with even more. You've proven yourself trustworthy. And you, you come into my presence and, and, and enjoy the, the, the beauty of just being, being part of the family, if you will. And then came the one with one talent. And he said to the master, I was afraid. I was afraid. And uh, I didn't want to take a chance. I didn't want to lose it. So I buried it in the ground. Here it is, Master. I did not lose it. Here's the one talent you gave me. And the Master criticized him, called him a lazy and evil slave. And he said, at the very least, you should have put it in the bank where it could have drawn interest. I would have made something. But you were a lazy, evil slave. You buried it in the ground and you hit it. And the consequences were severe because the Master told the others to throw out the worthless slave into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The destiny of that one servant, that one slave is the same as we think of those who never loved Jesus, who never, never knew uh, Jesus. And what this parable helps us think about is all the people who say they love the Lord. They're followers of Jesus. They go to church, but they don't do anything with what God has given them to make a difference for the church, to make a difference for the kingdom, to make a difference in other people's lives. They, they don't use their time to serve Jesus. They use their time for everything else. They don't take the opportunities that are afforded them to serve the Lord, to serve through his church and make a difference in people's lives. They just take all the opportunities of life that, that they want to enjoy, not the ones that can make a difference for, for, the, for God's sake. God's given all of us abilities and skills and talents. Not, we're not all the same. We have some, some are more talented than others. We know that. It's, it's true in this story. 
But, but this story talks about those who don't use the, the experience they have, the knowledge they have, the skills they have to serve Jesus and help and make a difference. People who are good at making money, but they don't give. And so they don't help the church do ministry because they don't give. These are the people, the, the one with the one talent who's afraid and hides it in the ground, are the people who enjoy the benefits of the church, who enjoy the, the blessings of coming to First Baptist or whatever church you attend. They, they enjoy being part of it. They, they enjoy all they get from it, but they don't contribute. They don't make a difference. They don't serve. They don't give. They don't help. And like the one wicked, lazy slave, some of you are doing this. You're hiding. You're hiding your talents in the ground. You're burying them. You're hiding them so that nobody sees. Nobody knows you have that skill. You're hiding it. You're burying it instead of using it to make a difference and to help. You bury the opportunities, you bury the time, you bury the money, you bury your skills instead of investing them for the kingdom of God. And down the road, you're going to realize, just like this one servant, that you one day will have to give an account to God and explain to God why you buried your opportunities, why you buried your talents, why you buried your skills instead of using them to make a difference, using them to serve. You're going to realize on that day that your excuses will not persuade God and that you're going to face judgment and condemnation and find out you're going to discover that you are not really part of the kingdom of God. The lesson, the lesson from this parable, from this story, is that we are to be a disciple. I am to be a disciple. You are to be a disciple who is active, energetic, and not afraid to try, not afraid to do something. Who are the disciples that do something? I think about the ushers who came down to the church the week before Christmas this year and prepared over a thousand candles so that everyone else could enjoy a meaningful, beautiful Christmas Eve service. I think about the ladies who show up every time there's a death in the church family and they make certain there's a meal and the family is served and taken care of on the day of the funeral. Who are the ones who invest their, their talents and serve instead of just always taking, taking, taking? I think about the deacons who every month check on our homebound members and ask, check up, how are they doing? I think about the, the men and women who take care of the babies and the toddlers in the nursery on Sunday. And, and when I'm walking by there and I stick my head and I see them rocking those babies and just taking care of that, that, that's, that, those are people who invest, who use the talents and the time and the opportunity and the resources God has given them. I think about the men and women who make it possible for our teenagers to go on retreats and mission trips. I think about the musicians who show up early on Sunday morning or come on Wednesday night to practice so that when we gather as the people of faith on the Lord's day to worship, we can do so with enthusiasm and with good music and have meaningful worship experiences together. I think about the team of people who showed up multiple times in November 
to load box after box after box filled with shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child that would be that would be sent to kids all around this world so kids around the world could have a happy Christmas, but also know that there's a Jesus who loves them and these men and women coming and loading those boxes, filling more than one tractor trailer full of them. I think about men and women and boys and girls who take the opportunity to do something. Some do more than others. Some have more ability than others. Some have more time to volunteer than others. Some have more money to give than others. But brothers and sisters, Jesus said to this one slave who buried his talent in the ground, at the very least, you should have put it in the bank and earned interest. That would have been better than doing nothing. It's as though Jesus is saying to you and me, do something if you are mine and you follow me and you love me, stop Doing nothing. Do something. And then we come to the last story, the last parable Jesus told about the kingdom of heaven. And being ready. Doing what we need to in the here and now so we can be ready for tomorrow, ready to see him, ready for the judgment day. And it's the parable of the sheep and the goats. And by goats, he doesn't mean the greatest of all time. He means those who are losers, those who are not ready, those who don't do it the right way. Starting in chapter 25 at verse 31, listen to what Jesus says. But when the Son of Man, how he often referred to himself, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Verse 32, and all the nations... All the ethnic groups, all groups of people will be gathered before him and he will separate them. He will separate them from one another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right and he will put the goats on his left. And then in verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then he explains. He goes on to say, When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. And on and on he goes like that. And then he says, they will ask, Lord, when did we see you in any of those conditions and do it to you? And Jesus answered, when you did it to one of the least of these who were at a point of need, you were doing it to me. And then he will say to the goats on his left, I don't know you. And he sends them away into darkness, into suffering, into hell. And he says to them, because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. When I was naked, you didn't give me any clothing. When I was sick, you didn't visit me. When I was in prison, you didn't come to me, and on and on. And they will say, Lord, when did we do any of that to you? When did we neglect you? When did we ignore you? And he will say to them, when you neglected the people in this world, when you neglected the people at church, when you neglected the people in your neighborhood, when you neglected the people at work, you were doing it to me. You were neglecting me. And Jesus is teaching us 
Jesus is teaching us that there's a difference between the sheep and the goats, between those who are truly his disciples and those who are not. You see, sheep care about other people and their needs. Goats have a hard time thinking about anybody but themselves. Goats are indifferent to others and their needs. Sheep try to help and make a difference. And sheep don't always know how much their their efforts are you know, really accomplishing how much help they're really giving. Sometimes you can get discouraged as a sheep. In this parable, the sheep said, Lord, when did we do this to you? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, sometimes when you help somebody out there in the community, and it may be a simple thing, but you're helping. You're helping Jesus. You're making, you're making a bigger difference than you know. And Jesus is always noticing. He always sees. The lesson from this parable is that you and I are to be disciples. I am. You are to be a disciple who is caring, compassionate, and willing to help others when they need it. When I started this series on the kingdom of God and our place in it, in the first two sermons we looked at what I called the great separation where Jesus said that at the second coming he will send his angels and they will separate humanity into two groups, the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds, and the wheat are taken into the barn into heaven and the tares are burned in hell. The dragnet, where that net is pulled through the lake and fish are caught and pulled up onto the shore and then the fish are separated into two piles, the good fish and the bad fish. And here Jesus says at the end he's going to divide all of humanity into two groups. The goats and the sheep. Those who are not ready for the second coming in the judgment day and those who are. Those who are real disciples and those who are not. And in this parable Jesus says it's in this life. It's in the here and now that you demonstrate whether or not you are wheat or weeds. That your lifestyle and your attitude and your approach to your commitment to Jesus Christ demonstrates whether you are good fish or bad fish. Whether you're a sheep or a goat. And the attitude that says, I can put it off, I can wait, I don't have to take it seriously today, that attitude may be an indicator that you are not a sheep, you are not wheat, you are not good fish. And the consequences of that are severe. God's kingdom and our place in it. We are to be the real deal, real disciples of Jesus. And our attitude about a relationship with him and our commitment to him in the here and now speaks volumes about what is or is not true and what's going to happen to us in the future. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to grow in Christ. To take seriously your commitment and do something today to become more like Jesus and show the world you really do love him. God bless you. That's the word for today. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.